That's right. You tell them, Michael Jackson, take a look at the man in the mirror and make a change. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's big dog radio program, The Really Real Deal. And folks, we have a special treat for you today. We have a big dog, big time, really real deal candidate running to be the next United States senator from the state of Virginia. Uh, a, a, a young man that I'm very proud to call a friend, Nick Freitas. And Nick, brother, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, Craig. How are you? I'm fantastic. And congratulations again, Nick. I was sharing with the audience earlier uh, in the program before you called that, uh, you know, I'm one of the uh, members of the Watchman's Council, and uh, I shared with them about the vetting process that we had last week, uh, where we invited all four of the Republican candidates for the United States Senate uh, vying for the right, uh, and not just the right, but the responsibility to uh, wage uh, a battle against uh, sitting Senator Tim Kaine, and, uh, and of course, uh, you're the man of the hour. You are the gentleman that has received uh, the endorsement uh, of the Watchman's Council. And uh, we just want to thank you. Uh, there's so many reasons to thank you, Nick. Uh, for, thank you for your military service. Thank you for, for your service uh, as a Virginia delegate. And thank you for stepping up to, to take on this enormous task. Well, well again, it's, it's all very much my pleasure and, and my family's pleasure to do so. And uh, I got to say, it was it was a very thorough vetting process that that we went through with the Watchman's Council, and I, I enjoyed going through it, and I I enjoyed the thoroughness of it, and I was obviously very honored to to have their endorsement. Yeah, yeah, and you, and another thing about it too, Nick, is that uh, you were up against some very very stiff competition. I mean. Uh, Corey Stewart and E.W. Jackson, I mean, these men, they get after it, okay? Uh, very very well-versed, very articulate, very aggressive. Uh, and in an age of Trump, uh, this is the type of uh, tone, aggression, and thoroughness uh, we need. And uh, so for, uh, you know, some people maybe uh, would scratch their head and say, well, wow, the young guy has, has uh, jumped over the, the, the two elders. And, uh, but you were just, you were so impressive. And, uh, you know, with your, your military background, uh, your willingness uh, to maintain your Christian faith, but to not be like a Christian Boy Scout. Like, you know, in other words, and I think I was the one that put this question to you about the uh, the sniper who's a Christian versus, you know, the guy that's uh, back home uh, teaching Sunday school. They're, both jobs are very valuable, but, you know, the sniper has to do what snipers do. And uh, and we can't say that he's not a Christian because he's, he, he accepted the responsibility uh, to defend his brothers and his nation. And uh, and so you you showed a willingness and a, a very thorough knowledge of of the issues and uh, and so I think that's what we're looking for someone that can really articulate uh, positions that are very important uh, to the Christian conservative uh, constitutional capitalistic coalition. No, I, I I agree, and and I I think it comes down to this. I've you know I've been to I've been to actual combat, and I and I know what that's like. And obviously, this is this is something akin to political combat. 
Yes. Uh, but obviously the rules of engagement are very, very different. Yes. And the way that we win within that, that political battle that we're having is that it really is a battle of ideas. And so it, it's not about attacking people on an individual level. It's not about attacking them personally, but it is about having a, a relentless and passionate argument about those ideas, the various ideas that are involved here and the consequences of those ideas. Yes. And I, I passionately believe that the, the consequences of the modern liberal progressive movement, a, a movement which is predicated on the coercive force of government, I think they have negative consequences. I think they hurt people. I don't oppose it because of some philosophical abstract notion. I, I oppose it because at the end of the day, I believe it hurts people, especially the poorest and most vulnerable among us. By the same token, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near as passionate about attacking that philosophy as I am about building up that political philosophy, which, which lifts people up out of mm -hmm. poverty and gives them an opportunity to pursue happiness yes. in accordance with their definition insofar as it does not infringe on the rights of others. And that is the policy of individual liberty and free markets and property rights and equality and justice before the law. So I'm, I'm passionate about those things. I love to argue about them. I love to talk about them. I love to find ways to illustrate how that philosophy is relevant to everybody. It really is a, un a unifying philosophy, and yeah. I, that's how we're talking about it. Yeah, you sound like Prophet Nehemiah. Uh, on the one hand, he's he's building, rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, but uh, because they're under relentless attack, uh, you know, they have a tool in one hand for building and a weapon in the other hand for defense, and so uh, they're they're ready. No, he's he's ready no matter what. Well, and, and if you remember, and the way Nehemiah got that wall built so quick, so fast, is that he had very everybody along the side where their home was, where where that wall meant the most to them, is where they were doing the work. And, mm -hmm. and it was through that process of making sure that we were unifying people around a specific cause. And, and we understood what the threat was, right? But the threat wasn't the focus. It was, it was the passion and love for what you were defending that motivates yes. people to work hard and to work faster and, and to protect. And I really believe that that, that motivation, that mm -hmm. motivation for, for what you love is so much stronger than trying to motivate people based off of fear or division. Yeah. Now, speaking of motivating people based off of fear and division, we know this is the Democrat playbook. Uh, as you know, as we discussed during the vetting, they uh, they they said Mitt Romney killed a man's wife. They they said you know Mitt Romney had not paid his taxes in ten years. They they have proven time and time again that they will either make things up or they will take a little teeny bit of truth and totally twist it out of shape so you won't even recognize it, and 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 get their voters to vote based on hating us. So. I'm of the philosophy that every election, and I've been sharing this with candidates for, for well over a decade, that it, it boils down to a math equation, okay? We have people that uh, no matter whether they support uh, Corey or EW or, or the other candidate in the primary, if you're the winner, they are going to vote for you. Now, we have people that, uh, like today, the Nasty Woman March is going on in Washington, those women, no matter what. Love me. <laughs> no, no, mat no matter what, those women are going to vote Democrat. But, Nick, there are other people in the middle that have, they, they have tired feet, they wear work boots, they have calluses on their hands, 
How do you reach those people? Did we, did we lose Nick? Hey, I'm, I'm back on now. Sorry about that. Oh, now how much of that question did you hear? Well, let me restate the question because maybe my question didn't go out on the air either. Um, but uh, did you hear my analysis of the math equation? Yeah, that there's there's certainly going to be some people that are Corey supporters or EW supporters right. that if I get the nomination, they're going to support the, right. me. Right. You, you, exactly. You got them. Okay. Now, there are people that all their lives, they have been taught that Republicans hate brown people, hate black people. The, the, the people at the Dirty Woman March, they're saying Republicans hate women. When And the odd thing is, Nick, Republican men are more likely to marry their women than are Democrat men. No one wants to say that, uh, but it's an absolute documented fact. And so, but these people, they've been taught these things. And, and the sad thing is, Nick, some of them actually believe that Republicans hate children, hate clean air, hate clean water. Now, for people that have been taught that all their lives, but yet and still, they have calluses on their hands, they have tired feet, they're working double shifts, and they see Donald Trump giving tax cuts. They see in Donald Trump uh, is presiding over a nation where confidence in the economy is so high that it has caused everyone's 401k to grow by 27%. Uh, so you have these... Two things happening here, the good happening on the ground and the media focusing on fake news. How do you get go through the noise and get some of these people? We don't need them all. All we need is about maybe 15% of them. How do you get them, Nick? Well, there's two aspects to this. And, and one of the things is we have so many mechanisms now where we can go beyond what the, the traditional media venues are and actually get our message out to the people. So I think that's critical. And by virtue of being a candidate, I'm going to have access to those. And, and I'm going to be able to go ahead and make my message. And even when the media is trying to uh, manipulate it, when, when you're going live and you're able to make that, you're able to get your message out free from, from media editing, uh, that, that's powerful. That, that's one aspect of this. <clears throat> the other aspect is, as Republicans, we have to go into traditional into areas that traditionally uh, you could say are hostile to the Republican Party. And quite frankly, Craig, we've got to take ownership of the fact that some of these areas are hostile to the Republican Party, not simply because we've been caricatured, but because when we've had certain Republicans in office, they've refused to, they've refused yes. to govern along the lines of what they campaigned on. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you this, and I've experienced this personally. I have gone into areas where I've gone and I've met with groups that I knew I knew had a negative impression of me that had members within those groups that had told the rest of the group that I was a horrible person. And when I went in there and I took the time, right. And it, it's, it's not, it's kind of an unnerving position to go into a room where, you know, almost everyone there is, is arrayed against you. And I <laughs> get to know yeah, them. tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I took the time to get to know them. Um, they took the time to get to know me on a personal level as, as a, not just a politician or a representative, but as a, as a veteran, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a son, um, and we had shared experiences. And when they got to know me on a personal level, it wasn't just that they were now convinced that, okay, this guy isn't all bad. I, I can talk with this guy and we can find common ground. It wasn't that they just came to that conclusion. They also came to the conclusion that the people within their group that had tried to tell them that I was an evil, bad, horrible person, mm -hmm. they'd been lied to. They had been lied to. Yes. So the pledge was not just made. So now, now it backfired. 
Because when you lie about someone, eventually it will backfire on you mm-hmm. if the person you're lying about is willing to go in there and actually take the time to get to know people. And so, Amen um, to that. That's the big if. And it sounds like you. we finally have someone that gets it, okay? And, uh, and I think a lot of, for a lot of years it was just fear. Um, you know, fear of the media and Republicans are just so fearful uh, that they're going to be called racist or evil, and they're going to be called that anyway. And uh, and and I know you as a um, Christian apologist and student of the Bible. I would bet that you know the most off-repeated phrase in the Bible. You know, it, it, so I'm going to put you on the spot to share it. <laughs> the most off-repeated phrase in the Bible? Yeah, it's two words. Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> fear not. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't. I, now I feel bad. I didn't know that, but, <laughs> I, but I will. But I will tell you. Fear, fear not. So it sounds now you may not have known it as a phrase, but you know it in your soul because you're the living embodiment of putting it out there, which is why, which is one of the reasons why you received the endorsement of the the Watchman's Council. Well, I, I, again, I appreciate that. And it was interesting. I was talking with someone not long ago and, and we were talking about the whole concept of fear. And I said, you know something, as a Christian, I'm allowed to fear God and nothing else. Amen to that. A- and look, don't forget that when the Democrats start pouring on, because it's not if they do it, it's when they do it. Sure. Yeah. No, no. Well, we have, and, I, and I'll say this too, there, there's obviously, um, I have very significant differences with uh, my Democrat colleagues in the House of Delegates, very significant differences with uh, Democrat Tim Kaine. But I'll tell you what, I, when you interact with people on an individual level, regardless of, the, regardless of that party affiliation, and you treat them as a person, mm-hmm. and you talk about those issues, and then you, you talk Being about cordial. Yes. Exactly. When you talk about it from the philosophy of wanting to empower people, not government, it resonates. And, yeah. and it is capable of unifying people around that. So I, I'm, I'm confident going forward. We're going to go forward with boldness. And we're going to conduct ourselves with honor. But we're going to go forward bold in, in the political philosophy that we espouse and the approach that we take to it. Hey, God bless you, brother. And uh, you, you have a microphone right here anytime you want it, Nick. Well, thank, thank you very much, Brother Craig. I really appreciate that, and thank you for everything you do. Okay, God bless you, and uh, we'll we'll be we'll we'll be inviting you back from time to time. So, uh, you know, you can give us an update on what you're doing, and um, you know, and 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 one, but one, actually, one last question, and this is um, about party labels, not individuals. Okay, uh, and so, and I know you don't want to attack Tim Kaine personally, but the Republican brand has been so destroyed, and and it's very sad that in a Christian nation that was founded by God-fearing Christian men uh, on the idea that our rights and freedoms come from God, not our fellow man, as as all the other um, uh, ideologies, communism, socialism, fascism, uh, atheism, fundamentalist Islam, all of them rise man above God. Some of them even deny God. And, but, but republicanism, Christian faith, what, what this, this, you know, the idea that the individual is free and the government is the servant, you know, that idea is just under constant attack and the Republican brand, which espouses that freedom, has been so destroyed and people think it means something that it does not. 
how willing are you to go after the Democrat brand, not with lies the way they have destroyed the Republican brand, but just exposing the Democrat brand as a, a type of anti-God, anti-freedom, anti-individual um, philosophy that had, that saw the first modern uh, Democrat president, Andrew Jackson, relocated the Native Indians uh, from uh, Virginia and, and areas east over to west of the Mississippi, primarily to Oklahoma. Uh, they're the party of slavery. They were the party of Jim Crow. Uh, now they're the party of bringing illegals in and rising them up and over American dreamers. And so they're, you know, they're the party that defends murderers but will not defend an unborn innocent baby in the womb. And, and so we have all this truth to tell about that particular party, that philosophy, and I very rarely run across a Republican willing to do that. Well, I've, I've said it before, and to, and to reiterate some of the things you mentioned, um, I, I get very frustrated when Democrats try to constantly peg Republicans as either being racist or sexist or somehow bigoted when my party is not the party of the Trail of Tears. My party is not the party of slavery. My party is not the party that opposed women's suffrage. My, my party is not the party that put 100,000 Asian Americans in concentration camps without due process of law. My party is not the party of Jim Crow, and my party is not the party that gives billions of, or millions of dollars in subsidies to the abortion industry to destroy innocent human life, primarily in minority neighborhoods. Yes. So, no, I'm sorry. All of that is fair game. The history of the Democratic Party Thank and the you. modern philosophy that they operate off of. And again, I am thrilled. I am thrilled that the Democrats are no longer the party of the Trail of Tears or slavery or Jim Crow or, or, um, or opposition to women's suffrage. But the problem is, is that there's, there's this underlying philosophy within Democrat um, political policy, which still believes that the government is the one that should be micromanaging our lives. And as a result of that, they undermine the value of individual liberty. And as a result of that, they create a society in which a political elite, those with the best political connections are able to rise above at the yes. expense of everyone else. And that philosophy is absolutely fair game for attack. Amen. Okay. And I plan to attack it. And I'll tell you why, Craig. I plan to attack it on behalf of everybody that I believe has been a victim of it. And that is the poor, that is the downtrodden, those are the people that don't have the political connections. And on their behalf, I will attack it relentlessly. Okay, we're going to rank that a home run, brother. I, I, look, I feel like we need to play out. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> cue that up, Scott. <laughs> cue, cue up, cue, and, and you hang on and you listen to this, brother, because this, <laughs> this little promo we're going to play, uh, this, this really describes you. And um, I can't tell you how pleased I am to hear you say that. And um, just uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. 
the really real oh, okay deal you can cut it Scott Craig, <laughs> Saturdays 10 to noon Nick you still there oh, okay he's he you still there Nick I'm still here oh, okay well look I played that just for you brother because that's what we've been wanting someone to be a champion for truth, a champion for liberty, a champion for Christian faith, a champion for conservative values, a champion for capitalism, a champion for choice in all things, uh, a champion for consistency and application of law, and a champion for the idea that we should confront evil wherever we find it, uh, just like in the, in the words of uh, the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, whose birth we just celebrated last week, so... Thank you. God bless you, and, and Godspeed to you, Nick. Thank you, sir. You too. All right. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. 